0: Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and thank you again for joining us today on Vice and Easy. We have a special episode for you. I was... Blessed enough to be invited onto the Vice of Miami podcast by the lovely hosts, Tim and Mark. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, YouTube. Again, Vice of Miami podcast. We got together to do a really fun season two recap that I really hope you'll enjoy. So again, go give them a listen. Don't forget to like, subscribe, both of our podcasts. We love everything about Miami Vice, and we're trying to give you all the fun Miami Vice facts we can. Now, just to touch on something that I mentioned in the recap that I'm still currently working on, I am working on a shared Google map to pinpoint locations from the series that still exist to this day. For example, Deerfield Estate. For example, Uh, Bell Harbor shops. Unfortunately, I don't think the guards wear the pointy hats anymore. Stuff like that that still exists, but that you could easily just sync to your phone. So if you are in Miami, you can just pull it up and direct yourselves to that location as opposed to going through forums and whatnot however i'm still trying to find a way that would protect everybody's privacy involved and that wouldn't be susceptible to any shenanigans so i am working on that please keep posted for that and again please enjoy our season two recap my partnership with vice of miami podcast thank you again Tim and Mark for having me on. I will see you here next week. We're going to be going over The Good Caller, Season 3, Episode 5, and some very fun outfits in that one. Look forward to that. See you next week.
1: Welcome back, Vice fans, to the Vice of Miami podcast for show number 48. Mark and I are always glad you are joining us. We hope you enjoyed our last show covering the Season 2 finale of Miami Vice Sons and Lovers. So as always, sit back, Relax, grab a beverage, and enjoy the Vice of Miami podcast covering the season two recap.
2: And Tim, I've got an apricot tea here from Adagio Teas. No, no alcohol today. (laughs) But yes, this is a wrap up for our season two here, and we have a guest, Marina from Vice and Easy podcast.
0: Hello, say hey, having me?
2: You're very welcome. All the way on the west coast. All right,
1: so in our, in our series finale of season two, we had a trivia question, and we asked, what was the name of the company that produced the explosives that killed Angelina? And the answer is the E. Grogan and company out of Chicago, Illinois.
2: And we'll post that photo in our f- social posts. So why don't we get into the season two recap? <laughs> And like I said, we've got Marina from the Vice and Easy podcast joining us. We reached out a couple of months ago and to get her ideas of kind of what we covered in season one, as far as good episode, bad episode, favorite quotes, things of that nature. If we want to get right into it, the first one we have is best plotline. I had. Now, we may agree, we may disagree, but. Whatever works. Uh, The best plot line, I have kind of a two-way tie between Bushido, Episode 8, and Out Where the Buses Don't Run, Episode 3. And I picked that because they pretty much all deal with the past or recent, I guess you could say, lives of each of the main vice characters, and all are plausible to some extent, but not most of the stories aren't really in all the episodes. So these backstories in these episodes, I thought they formed who they were or why the characters are the way they are. I'd say Out Where the Buses Don't Run was good as far as a good cop, essentially losing it, kind of like uh, Evan in season one. What do you guys think on your end?
0: I definitely agree on Out Where the Buses Don't Run. It was a very emotional episode, amazing acting, kind of getting into how this career leaves so many scars and leaves so much damage. It is one of the first cop shows. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong on this, but, you know, other cop shows at the time, I didn't really see this explored. And, you know, now it's a lot different. You have Chicago Fire, you have Law and & Order, and they do kind of delve into these issues more. But I right. really thought that was ahead of its time. And then my other choice, very different. <laughs> I was kind of torn between Payback because I really like <laughs> uh, Corrupt Feds because that's a very big theme Ooh. for Vice, big overarching theme. And Little Miss Dangerous <laughs> of someone who... You know, Tubbs wants to protect, but she doesn't want protection. She wants to live her own life. She wants her own agency. She doesn't want to follow her boyfriend. And she just wants to do what she wants to do. And I don't agree with the murders, but I agree with her, her steadfastness and not compromise.
1: Right. Do the social work on your own time.
2: Nothing. <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> what, what, you, what you find so, out is that I... De
2: facto, uh, Castillo.
1: Yes. And I, I, it's, I love it. And I think which one was with the crop fed that was payback. That was when Sonny got in a fight with the DEA. No, it wasn't. That was the fix with the DEA agent, punched them out and Castillo comes out Mm -hmm. and just gave the longest stare ever for Castillo in the the first two seasons. I just, he entertains
2: me and he didn't have to say anything either.
1: Yep. just he said just he said nothing nothing he said nothing <laughs> my best plot line was back in the world when he was with Ooh. uh the reporter the guy that he was reported with the reason i said that and i think it goes to what marina is saying is that in some of the older cop shows like if you go back to even their original SWAT, they didn't have a lot of character development and i think that's what you're talking about here is that there's more character development, more backstory. I know they did it a little bit in Starsky and Hutch, but not as much. They didn't delve into it as much as they did starting with Miami Vice. This episode gave us a glimpse in Sonny's time in Vietnam that ended up following back to Miami. And it also referenced when they were, he was like at the VA center. It also referenced how badly the Vietnam veteran was treated once they got back in the world. So that's that's why I made that my choice for a best pot line. Right?
2: Can I change mine?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really good choice. That's a really good choice.
2: OK, let's see. Next up, I have best guest star. This one I have Bruce McGill as Hank Weldon in Buses Don't Run, uh, Out Where the Buses Don't Run, Episode 3. Or... Phil Collins and Phil the Shill, episode eleven. But I picked Bruce McGill. He's good acting, where he turns it on and turn off, turns off his normalness, and then goes crazy, kind of way out in the deep end. Here, he wasn't too out there all the time, but he did it just enough. And as far as Phil, as far as a music, musician turned actor, I think he did a good, solid job. You know, he wasn't really over the top in trying to try to be an actor. When he really wasn't an actor, but he did a good enough job. Uh, and then maybe I'd have to say also Gene Simmons in episode one, Pro- uh, Prodigal Son. Again, he wasn't really overreaching or trying too hard. He was just being who he was. And I thought he did a good job. Top pick would be Bruce McGill as Hank Weldon in Buses Don't Run.
1: Marina.
0: Thank you. Definitely, I agreed with you on that one. I put five different ones and I made them into <laughs> different categories. Selfishly. By looks, I'm going to go with James Remar because as my buddies, he's my hunk choice. Yeah. And I just I love he's just good in everything he does. I even saw him. I was watching Cruising, the old uh, 1981 film with Al Pacino, and he pops up there super young, super buff, super tan. I was like, ah, what a. What a, what a charming, but he, and he can always play a jerk well, and he can always play a good guy well. And then for comedic relief, I picked uh, Clarence Thomas Third from... Oh, yes. The zombie, zombie movie, man. What was the zombie episode
1: called? Tale of the Goat, yes.
0: Tale of the Goat. Legba. Legba. He was just so funny. And I, like I know it wasn't supposed to be comedic, but I couldn't. And he's, a, he's just funny Well, you got a, a point there. Hmm? Lincoln in
1: the Mod Squad.
0: Yep. And I, I was watching I'm going to get you sucker the other day. And I was like, oh, I forgot he was he was like the Black Panther character. So I was like, oh, what a what a funny guy.
1: Oh, boy. For my oh boy. best guest, my best guest star, hands down, Phil Collins and Phil Lachelle, mainly because I just loved how he inserted himself into conversation right. and and could sell suckers mm-hmm. swampland in Arizona.
2: Oh, yeah, just, exactly. You're right.
1: There was just, just how he came into conversation blah, 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 and then. He, he hooked those, uh, weren't they doctors and stuff like that? They were all professionals right. that he just totally duped into uh, everything. And then he ends up at the end as some healing preacher. and Switek blows the TV away. This is for you, Elvis. <laughs> yeah, Pastor Robert. Blah,
2: blah. Phil Collins. <laughs> all right. Uh, next up, we have Best Adversary. If you remember last season, I had... Castillo to Crockett, but this one I've got very recent John Leguizamo in Sons and Lovers episode 22 in looking at just you know an adversary for vice itself and now Tubbs for some reason you know again why why Tubbs he didn't kill his daddy it was a small role but big I would have to say in vice terms only because uh, I liken it to old wounds being opened up again for vice vice thought Calderon was gone and forgotten to the rest a while ago. Now they've got to deal with him again. So, Chano Gazamo I think it just overshadowed every other episode. But
1: right, interesting about interesting <laughs> about him too. Where we've been binge watching again, ER, and we're at the I think we're in season eleven or season twelve, and he's he plays a character in there, an attending physician by the name of Clemente. Yep. Totally different from being in uh, being Orlando Calderon. Because he's kind of, kind of really dysfunctional as this uh, attending kind physician, of. but yeah, he yeah, he's a stand-up comedian, so he kind of was. He's in between playing a drama and being a comedian, but he has a lot of, for lack of better words, f-ed upness about himself. He just has a lot of dysfunction as <laughs> this uh, as as a attending physician. So, anyway, and Marina, your choice for best adversary.
0: Ooh, that's a great one because. He was incredibly cool the way that he would just have, spoiler alert, his half-sister killed and then have Tubbs think that his son is also dead. And he's also very charming and mine not as exciting. I was thinking I really liked Charlie Glide because, again, like super charming, super smart, Mm. too. He was always playing chess with Vice. He was always one step ahead until he wasn't. And I really liked Fuente, too, just the way that Fuente was able to yield his power so powerfully. Really infiltrate Crockett's life in such a way that like made Crockett go a little bit crazy because he just didn't know what was going on. And again, just like super stylish. Yes,
1: again, that was good. Another
0: another musician, turned actor who did a good job. And Callie Bassett was my third choice. Ooh, interesting.
1: My best adversary, Michael Richards, as a lone shark in the fix. Oh. Simply because it was his pre-Seinfeld days. And I I just made him the best adversary just because he is so different than the goofy Kramer. And it also showed that he could play a wide range of characters. You know, he could insert himself into drama as well as, you know, being known for Cosmo Kramer for many years on Seinfeld. So that's That's the reason why he was he was my best.
2: You got me on that, too. (laughs) But I, I still can't see him as anything other than Cosmo, the ass man. Let's see. Most intense episode. I have bought and paid for episode nine. Uh, It wasn't really a super, I don't want to say it was, I don't want to say it was a great episode, but I just thought this is where someone other than Crockett and Tubbs finds themselves into crosshairs of you know the, the perverts twisted desires and this is uh gina's issue to deal with you know was she going to be the next victim was it her turn to be drawn into the CD world maybe as a victim and not just you know the decoy prostitute that you know she started out to be but i i just thought this was more of you know the sub characters the sub co-stars you know someone other than Crockett or castillo or even uh switek and uh, zito time for her to get her dues i guess you could say
1: She picks up more probably in the next season.
0: I chose Junk Love because that Mm. unfortunate twist at the end just left a really dark mark when you watch the episode again. Because I had to watch the episode three or four times to grab all the media. And I was just like, God, it just gets worse every time you watch it because you know what's really going on. Just that really in your face. Horrific incest relationship and abusive relationship just uh, really put a downer on my week. And I just remember it was like <laughs> a couple episodes in a row. It was like one month of like just very depressing episodes. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I just, I was like, Bill, the shill could not come fast enough.
2: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I, I think I remember your episode on this too. It was, it was quite intense for you. I, if, if I'm remembering it correctly,
0: no, it was very intense. And yeah. it was just, you just feel so bad for this woman. You see both sides of the opinions because right. you have, you know, Krocket and Tubbs are kind of divided. Do we feel bad for her? Do we not feel bad for her? Because they just thought she was a kept woman. Then when mm-hmm. the twist is introduced that it's her father. Right. And then just everybody's stomach just churns and this poor girl. And at least, you know, she is finally able to break free of that. But you'll never really get rid of that.
2: Oh, no. right exactly yeah.
0: No. Yeah, I'm not, yeah i'm not gonna watch that one again <laughs> That's for,
1: for me for me the one that resonated the most so far in the first two seasons was evan only because i was touched by touched by suicide of a colleague so and that was before mark came out of fire department so that really that really struck home to me That was a sick that Junk Love was a good, good choice, Marina, because that was a really sick episode. My most intense episode, Out Where the Buses Don't Run. And Mm -hmm. that, you know, the entire time you have Weldon running Crockett and Tubbs on a wild goose chase for a missing gangster, only to find out that he killed him several years ago. He was definitely out where the buses don't run. Just he was stressed to the max, and he had a breaking point, probably a nervous breakdown. But he was able to function through that. Really put up this facade that drew Crockett Tubbs not even not even putting him on their radar. So it was just for me, especially at the end there, where he's going in there busting up the wall, and then there's there's the gang, there's the gangster. My choice, out where the buses don't run.
0: Great choice. Yeah, your episode on that, where you explain what happened with your colleague, was also really touching. Yeah, that was, and
1: it, it's, that's why I do what I do now. Yeah. These days, where, you know, it, it, it was part of my journey, and that's, that's what can you say? And that was it. Well,
2: those type of episodes make it real for people too, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. some of the stuff is outlandish and out there, but this stuff like that kind of makes it real. So, okay, what's next? Do we have here? Why did they write this episode? Oh in, boy, I, it I know which. Sucked. I know which if, one if you're. We may I know. be in a I
1: Oh, I I'm very curious. I think we are. Probably a... I think we are.
2: I'm gonna say, "Tale of the Goat."
0: That's right. It sucks. Good
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rodney. Never mind. <laughs> Um, I mean, come on, a drug-induced, unmonitored coma for how many hours, how many days? Um, no, I just, you know, there's some plausibility in most of these episodes, but this one is just way too out there to be believable. I have my runner-up, definitely Miami. I just didn't like it. It was just bad, bad, bad. I'm going to keep it simple. Just bad.
0: Hot take? But- hot take on definitely Miami. Interesting.
2: <laughs> oh, I get what you did there. Hot take? It was episode or it was hot? Good
0: one. <laughs> Marina? Ooh, I went a little differently. I love Tale of the Goat just because it was I think it was just because of Clarence Thomas III. Oh. I just not that okay. I like love like not that I would like watch it again on my night off. I went in a different direction. Florence, Italy, even though there was barely any plot, but there were just a lot oh. of montages. It was very eighties in that nice. you know, I think forty percent of the episode was just footage of recent cars, but they did have some good guest stars. But I want to say the worst was one way ticket, even though it was full of French Canadians and they were all real French Canadian actors and they're much better <laughs> acting in French as opposed to the phonetic English. <laughs> you could tell they're just learning their lines phonetically because they delivery is
2: so bad. Yeah. This was the episode where I believe you put it. She was wearing that toilet seat cover on her, yep. uh, on her dress. The one French, <laughs> the French investigator. I like how you put that. That was funny.
0: (laughs) Oh no! This was the other one. This was the um, the defense lawyer is at a wedding where the DA's daughters get shot. Oh, and he they all got killed. Oh,
2: that's right. That's right. Too many French Canadians. That was the yeah. (laughs) What was I thinking of then?
0: And like the plot, like I can barely remember it now. I remember it was the French assassin, and he wanted money (laughs) to go away. Basically, the defense lawyer wants to fake his own death.
2: Right. And he's on an island in the Bahamas or something somewhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Mr. Tim.
1: We all went in different directions here. Hmm. If you remember, IMDB ratings, Tale of the Goat, had a just slightly higher rating than
2: Free Verse. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
1: if you remember, we ripped that one apart. <laughs> when I when I when I watched that. You know, I'm doing it on DVD, so I'll stop the DVD a little bit to write some notes. But for the most part, I'm like, is this a freaking like two hour episode? It's dragging on and on. Mm-hmm. What it yep. just, yep. It, it made no, it was just, it was terrible. It was terrible. And you could give a, you could give me a Rodney Dangerfield on that one too. Suck, I've got a
2: better one for you. <laughs> Best episode. I've got Sons and Lovers. Again, the old Nemesis from For Everybody pretty much returns allegedly, you know, and not allegedly, but kind of from the grave, at least in his crime and cold blooded killing son. And now Tubbs is going to have this on his mind and maybe the Vice crew as well as we go into next season. Sons and Lovers. And I got an honorable mention Phil the Shill, lighthearted, but big in crime story and great comedic relief in uh, Switek and Zito. And not to mention we interviewed Paul Diamond. That had nothing to do with it. <laughs> the writer of the episode. Take that, Marina.
1: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> I do not I'm gonna go. Yeah, but there. she she lives in LA. She
0: could have access
1: to a lot more than we do. So uh, watch true. it, Mark. <laughs> yeah, I can
0: true. have them yes, I can interview them in my bathroom closet. In your bathroom, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ooh. You no, know, I've never gone, I've never gotten anyone involved in the show. That's interesting. No, good Something for you guys. You, you had that in the first <laughs> season as well. You got another writer, right?
1: Mm, no, he just he he well he he wrote uh, he did Evan, right? Yes, he did. Evan, he Evan, and Evan filled the show. He when he I, reached out to us by email or through he started following our Instagram. page, I think, because he just we did question and answers by email, and then we he said. I could tell you a little about Evan, but I know more about Phil the Shell. And that's when we had him come on. But he did do Evan. And, you know, that's when I said to him, you know, it hit home for me that that episode. So your best episode.
0: My best episode. I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm going to say Little Miss Dangerous. Great soundtrack. Great cinematography. Great guest star. Big hair. Very over the top. Very 80s with a live Not really burlesque, not Mm. really strip club, Mm -hmm. over the top, very not as poignant as other episodes, but that's one that like definitely you could watch again and have fun with it. And I loved the music on that episode.
2: Good choice. I like that. Can I change mine again?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mark, I actually agreed with you on this one with Sons and Lovers. It sets up a potential season cliffhanger, at least you they give that illusion. And we'll see in coming seasons if Orlando shows up. But John Leguizamo played a great Orlando Calderon. I mean, and it was a strong finish this season. It started out strong with the Prodigal Son, and it ended strong. And then everything that was mixed in between, I, I don't know if we could find the writers a free verse and just tell them, "Were you were you on smoking dope or something?" Because that's just this is bad. <laughs>
2: bad all the way around.
0: So what would you have changed your top episode, Mark?
2: Um, I, I would have... Actually, you know what? No, I'm going to keep it Sons and Lovers. Yeah,
0: Sons and Lovers is a great one.
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'll keep it. I mean, like you said, it's, it was a strong ending. It was just that Calderon coming back, even from season one. It's like, oh, geez, can we never get away from this schmuck? I'll, I'm going to keep it there. And now these are some that Marina chose for us to pick out. Worst Song choice, either a bad song or a song that's used in a brutal way. I'm gonna go with "Little Miss Dangerous" by Ted Nugent. Goodish, goodish episode, but dur- this was during Jackie's and Cat's dance at Sex World, and when John or when Jackie was picked up by the John in the blue car. Good song, but just a really did not fit for me. They, they could have done something better.
0: So I chose Slave to Love because one of my favorite songs of all time, beautiful, haunting, sexy song. And when I first watched the episode, I hadn't seen a long time. I want to say like even pre-COVID, I think, because I I skipped it when I was rewatching during COVID. And so I was like, oh, my God, what a great song. And then you realize after the plot twist that they're playing this at the party at her father's house, Slave to Love, about an incestuous relationship. So that just really kind of like broke my heart, but it was amazing, amazing juxtaposition.
1: For me, I don't really have a choice because simply Mm -hmm. because I don't, I don't, I don't remember how the songs were used either brutal or, you know, just in a bad way. I don't remember. And I think part of that is that when I'm watching episode, I'm really focusing on details and writing stuff. And I'm not really paying attention. You know, I hear the music and things like that, but I'm right. not paying attention. If I had to pick one that was a favorite song, don't remember the episode was early in the season was Vice, where it would you, you'd have to you'd you'd have to listen to it, but it was supposedly in a bar scene, hmm. and it was called Vice. It was a rap song.
2: Oh yeah, that's right. Vice, oh. Vice, oh. Vice, 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 Vice. Look, who was it by Tim? Oh, it's right on tip to of my tongue. Early 80s, right?
0: And it's mm-hmm. the early part of the YouTube season, right? at Marina. It's not Buddies. It's not Prodigal Son Part 2. But it's somebody and the Furious Five. And I can't remember who it was. Grand, Grandmaster Flash.
1: Grandmaster Mel Mel and the Furious Thank Five. You. Thank you.
0: Grandmaster Flash?
1: He, he sometimes known as Grandmaster Mel Mel, yeah. Grandmaster okay. Flash, and the Furious Five. Yeah, Grandmaster. That's
0: a, that's a great song
2: choice. My son.
1: So that would have been a that would have been a favorite, but in a brutal way, not like I said, I don't when I'm focusing, I'm focusing more on the plot line and not the overall stuff. And besides of which, I could remember something from fifty years ago, but ask me why I walked into the garage. <laughs> can't remember so the same way (laughs) so it's it's where it's at that's sad for me plus i got ptsd brain so
2: okay and cheesiest montage i'm gonna go with florence italy episode 16 and pretty much the opening scene uh the streetwalkers you know they were tad obvious i mean they're obvious no matter what but these were just a little bit more tad than more a little bit more obvious, and the mom or whoever that was in the bakery, uh, bakery smacking her son upside the head, you know
0: awesome. when he's trying to work, <laughs>
2: trying to work his magic, I guess you could say, or get the magic worked yes. on him. It could have been better, <laughs> cheesy for sure.
0: I chose Dutch oven when Trudy is walking along the beach. She's very conflicted because she's technically. Mm-hmm. Betraying her boyfriend by not telling him that she's mm-hmm. trying to get closer to Adonis. Again, Michael Mann casting when they brought back Giancarlo Sponsito for the third time. And I want to say the singer is mm. Amy Grant. And it's just such a great cheesy montage that really gives. <laughs> I also like that episode, too, because it was a nice Trudy centric episode. Yeah, I, I love a good beach montage. For me, if you yes. want
1: to call it cheesiest, it's not really It says. The Tubbs and Angelina montage and Sons and Lovers, even though it was a very strong finish to the season, they, all they did was pretty much a replay of Calderon's right. return in season one. And as you said with yours, right. Mark, they could, they could have done something different there.
0: You no, know, I was going to say in Sons and Lovers, there's two montages which I liked because at the end, after she dies, they basically replay everything that happened in Sons and Lovers. In the
2: episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I they I think they're trying to be... fill time.
1: They're, they're probably trying to save on production costs. Stretch,
2: stretch. We got three minutes left. What are we going to do here? <laughs> Best song? I have Carrier by Mr. Mister in One Way Ticket. Uh, that's when Sego and Marcel are at the bar. This is just the quintessential 80s tune. I, I just love the song, period. They, they could have put it in, in in any part, in any of the cheesy montages. It was just a great song. Great choice.
0: I selected You Belong to the City by Glenn Frey just because I listened to that song so much as a teenager. Just like, yeah. Yeah. And it just takes all the cool parts of Vice at that time. And it was the season two Mm. opener, biggest show, you know, on network at that time. It was just just could not make a better song.
1: Marina, I agree with you. You Belong to the City simply because you can never go wrong with Glenn Frey
2: right sure. ever absolutely good choice best live performance this was hard to look up um i had to kind of go back but i kind of picked out elder and bought and paid for episode nine the songs you wear it well and rhythm of the night rhythm of the night was big obviously you know middle 80s there so elder bought and paid for
0: great choice. I really liked Trudy's boyfriend. He is a singer in real life. I totally forgot his name. But in the Dutch Oven, he has this really powerful song on stage, um, basically about like yes, he did. back to your loved one. I went with Barge for sure.
2: Best filming location that no longer exists. How'd you come up with this one? <laughs> um, uh, this
0: one, will because I, my choice, I looked up because I want to go to Miami later on this year and I was like, oh, I want to go check it out. I was like, oh, it's abandoned
2: (laughs) if if i'll have to look for it i have my when i went there in 21 with my wife um i have uh, points picked out on a google maps if i could find it i'll send it to you a lot on on, on maybe 10 locations 10 filming locations i
0: have deerfield estate i have the hotel they used in french twist uh, the Mayfield, but my choice for blast from the past that no longer exists was the Miami Marine stadium, because they actually did have concerts back in the day. Yes. So you could sit yes. and look over the water and they'd kind of have like a floating stage. Like that's so cool. Mm. And so Miami built by a Cuban architect. So it has that kind of like brutalist architecture to it too. Mm-hmm.
2: I have, uh, I, you know, OCB is a standard, which doesn't exist, but it was torn down in 2007. It's now a condo tower, but I have, now, just go with me here, go with me, because I know it was a mobile thing. It was at 235 Ocean Drive in Miami Beach. Annie's Hamburger Stand, called the Celebrity Burger and Buddies, Episode 5.
1: Oh, yes.
0: Great choice.
2: <laughs> it's uh, Technically, it doesn't exist, but it's now where they have, uh, I think, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas Ocean park you know i know it was a food truck and it wouldn't last but it looked like it would be good some uh some good chow here i mean two triple burgers dragged through the garden two iced mr Teas, larger all for 23.50 and 984 dollars <laughs> yeah exactly yes.
1: and again i don't have anything here because i focus more on a plot line than stuff like this and i know mark you Just
2: do with a OCB lot more then. Re- <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, I'll go with OCB. It's not there.
2: <laughs> but yeah, it is kind of hard because, I mean, you know, you got to look the stuff on maps and stuff like that. And sometimes it is, sometimes it isn't there, but you got to get there, Tim. Marina, like I'll, I said, uh, I find uh, I'll
1: do that. I'll do that for this next season.
0: Yeah, because <laughs> I haven't been since. Oh God, 2011. I used to go in college, luckily, all the time. My mom used to go to a banking conference down there. So I would hitch hitch along, which was very, very blessed to me. So I would go like every end of semester, like every every year. I was like, oh wow, I would not going to get that time back. And I would try to find filming locations, but this mm-hmm. was pre like Google Maps. It was a lot right. harder to, you know, go through the message forums and see. So I didn't really get a lot at the time. But yeah, so this this time will be a nice, and they there's this, cute little company on instagram i think it's the classic miami walking tours they go through old filming locations for movies tv so they do burn notice dexter for the first couple episodes scarface and miami vice interesting
2: yeah so check that out and you've got your best quotes you want us to uh to rate them and all that you want to you want to take this over here
0: This is hard since we just spoke about Sons of Lovers. This one, just as a gossip queen, this one, definitely my favorite in the latter half of the season. This is Crockett having a heart-to-heart with Tubbs after the revelation of Angelina and his quote-unquote son have come back into his life. This is the clip. Rico, this may be none of my business, (laughs) if I'm out of line to say so, but uh, are you sure this kid is yours? (laughs) (laughs) That's, I was just like, that is just such... And it was funny because earlier at work we were talking about just like a mutual friend with my coworker, and she's with child. And my coworker straight up asked her if she knew who the father was. <laughs> oh my god! god. <laughs> He's like, "Nah, we're friends. We can say that." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so I think that's why it was just like such a like kind of you know like at the back of your job just hanging out talking talking smack. <laughs> Ah, speaking of Phil the Shill, this was very much a quote of the 80s in this next quote. Sarah, you were looking at a man very nasty at it. Phil, this is the 80s. Everyone takes drugs. (laughs) Yep. Not wrong.
1: (laughs) Not wrong. True.
0: (laughs) Another, this is from the Santeria episode. I I believe it was called... Whatever it takes, whatever, whatever. Sorry, that's the grassy works. slogan, whatever, whatever
2: works. works, whatever works.
0: This was the wildest fight on the boat between the two guys. And I remember I watched this episode and I put in my notes. Wait, did he just say that? And then I went back. I was like, oh, he did just say that in this next clip. These are cops. They took my son. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody touches my family. You gave them the money. They brought him back. That's business. business. What do you want? We all have family. I put family
1: first i I'm not a, a whore like you,
2: Miranda. Come on. <laughs> they kind of sounded like Izzy a little bit.
0: Right? A little bit.
2: <laughs> I like that one.
0: Oh, it's okay. I got two more. Sorry, I don't want to bore you guys, but this... Okay. Speaking of That's the French Nola. woman wearing the napkin, this next one It's not that complicated, Crockett. You knew where he was and you didn't talk to us. You didn't we talk to tip. us.
2: There's a difference. Besides, we had already agreed on a plan of action. We were letting Bundy come to us. This was your idea. Zolan did not tell me to go to the hotel to get Bundy. You did it. You almost got blown up. I didn't want you to get blown up, Cockett. I'm touched. <laughs> it's just her, her whole. She says
0: it's so serious. Well,
2: you, you 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 can't take her seriously because her accent just seems so way over the top, trying to trying to be French. It just yeah, didn't. No so way. Bad
0: because you actually have <laughs> francophone people on that episode, which is why right. it's even funnier. I was right. Like, <laughs> You couldn't have got, you know, Leonard Cohen. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, I guess he does speak a little bit of French in the beginning. He doesn't speak English. Uh, This is not my favorite one, but this one I really resonated with. I know it's not your favorite episode, Free Verse, but the reason I love it is because growing up in Canada especially kind of in the aughts when more stuff would come out, not just on broadcast and Kate, ca- but like on the cable channels that we didn't get in Canada. So we could get everything that was on like ABC, NBC it would just show on a Canadian channel, but some of the other ones like VH1 and TV we didn't get. So I'd always either miss out or I try to find someone who had satellite or I'd beg my parents to get satellite TV. So when he, um, when the poet from unnamed central American country going through a civil war, oh. uh, is uh, just he keeps talking about TV and like that's right. also what I would do every time I come to America is like the first thing I would do is go watch TV. <laughs> and this is the next clip. Maybe your television is better here than back home. But yeah, it was just anything to do with the TV. And that's all he wants to do is just watch TV and party. I was like, oh, same. How about you but guys? Was, what was your favorite quote of the
2: season? Let me get to my files. It's a Tubbs, T U B B S. Tough, unique. Bad, bold, and sassy. That's the quintessential Tubbs right there. The other Tubbs part here. Hey, yo, you're out of your jurisdiction, you're out of your league, and you don't live in a neighborhood. So keep it moving. Chomps. chomps. If there's any phrase that Tubbs is famous for, it's ch- chomps. Yeah. Uh, I've got another one here, an Izzyism. Or an Izzy quote. And
1: hey, this man plunges himself into the murky waters of the underworld to risk life and limb, to try to stem the crying flow and keep us all from drowning in a cesspool of lawlessness. Susudia.
2: susuria <laughs> <laughs> A little homage to uh, Phil there. I mm-hmm. the- and I got one more. Here we go.
0: So you're at this party with this dude. His name's David. Oh, yeah, that's right, David. And there's a lot of weed and blow there. Hell, you can't go to a party in Miami without tripping over it.
2: Quintessential 80s quote, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's when there he were, I think she's massaging his shoulders on the boat, right?
2: Right. On the St. Vitus dance. Those were mine. Tim, what's your low tech quote yeah. here?
1: <laughs> both, yeah, both you editor, editing people, because I'm not the editor. You went the high tech route. I have to read. I'm a paper and pencil guy. I'll save the best quote for last, and I'm sure Mark knows what it is. But one of the one of the quotes from Phil Shell, Phil, you have won a scholarship, a full scholarship to Rayford. That's a prison we've got here, pal. Full ride, <laughs> probably. And that was Crockett to Phil. Another one.
2: It was a good one yeah
1: he may be out where the buses don't run but the information is correct tubbs speaking about welding and out where the buses don't run yeah yeah from the prodigal son crockett vietnam cambodia laos colombia puerto rico bahamas everglades that i've soaked more swamp than elvis
0: (laughs) i
2: was gonna pick that i was gonna pick that too
0: that is true. Yeah. Uh, I would just like to see Crockett. I think he just retires in Florida, but I'm like, you know what? He could just use like a nice desert climate, you know,
2: yes. Yeah. <laughs> Arizona. Something like yeah, Arizona. Just a
0: nice, dry, temperate.
1: And my best quote Sonny Crockett imitating Castile, right this face when he said, I know, I know, no heroes. No heroes. I was laughing my ass off at this unexpected change, but what made it funny is that Castillo said absolutely nothing.
2: Right? Did, <laughs> he, I don't even think he gave him a glare. He did not give him no a, the nothing. There glare. was no
0: death glare. <laughs> nothing. I wonder if that was an ad lib too, because that was it was very accurate. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Well, we were Tim and I were kind of figuring in that last episode where it was probably in the scripts, but him actually doing it that way. I bet you it was just ad libbed. It 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 had to have been, (laughs) maybe a a little dig at Castillo. uh, Yeah, Castillo.
1: (laughs) Well, when he first came into uh, Miami Vice after uh, Rodriguez was gone, right? There was an interview with, and I I don't know if it was you that sent it to me, but there was an interview with Edward James almost talking Mm -hmm. about how when. Sonny, first of all, he's going to just come in and be familiar with him and come in as often. Nuh-uh, this is my space. And he said, uh, that's really their relationship right. when it started, that they they were a little adversarial mm-hmm. because Don Johnson was used to a certain way and Eddie was not going to have right. it. So
2: He was the head honcho. He was the head honcho of the show. Uh,
1: but look yeah, how, far, was, uh, uh, we, we look how far they came. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. We did, didn't we? <laughs> look how far they came. They could... Uh, he can make fun of him right to his face.
2: <laughs> well, I definitely had a good time. This was fun. Oh, I loved your so choices, fun. Marina. Nice to
0: meet y'all. I was going to say, did you, you did a season, you, uh, yes, never mind. You did do a season one recap. Yep. Solo though. Yeah. Just you guys. Yes.
2: But again, you, anyway, we'd like to close out this section by saying thank you to Marina from the Vice and Easy podcast for joining us for the season for two recap. It fun. <laughs> this is very fun. Yours Podcast is totally awesome. You're ahead of us, so I don't want to listen too much ahead of time because I don't want to steal your thoughts and ideas and for mine. So I want to keep it fresh, but I still listen.
0: <laughs> I still listen, you guys. So thank you, so much. Thank you again.
2: Sorry. We've arrived at nerd chalkboard of wisdom, where we hope to inspire, enlighten, or make you snicker a little. In both the world of Miami Vice and our current world at large, we encountered plenty of challenges. We worked to overcome. In the interest of creating a family-friendly atmosphere through the show and our social media, we like to offer some parting thoughts, a quote, phrase, or words of encouragement or a funny quip to you, our listeners, because without you, our friends, we'd be talking to ourselves. And we say friends because that's what we consider all of you who follow our show and social media. And this episode's quote is from an unnamed source. Life is like looking for your phone. Most of the time, it's in your hand. We encourage everyone listening to be a positive force, not only in your life, but others as well. It's contagious and can make our world a better place.